This morning when I woke up, I didn't feel great. Didn't even feel saved. But guess what? I'm not saved by the way I feel. Whew, thank goodness. I'm saved by faith. So we make ourselves, we, uh, we take steps of faith, and, and God honors that. Guys, I'm really excited about this message this morning um, because at the end, I really believe God wants to do something special. You know, sometimes we, we preach a message and, and then the, the close is kind of, you know, it just kind of, kind of adds on to it as you do the message. Well, this message, I think it started with the close. And God kind of walked me through a, a little portion of Scripture in Psalms 125 that, that leads us to the close. So I'm going to try to get to the close as soon as I can, which some of you are like, yes, I can't wait, <laughs> okay? But uh, uh, the close is going to be amazing. The close is going to be an opportunity for God to do something special in your life, okay? I think every one of us in here need God to touch us. Every one of us in here have issues that we've been, we've been hanging on to or, or we have situations that are maybe out of our control or we have something going on and we need God to touch us. And at the close of this service, that's where I want us to get. At the close of this service, I want to give God an opportunity to show out. Now, here's the good news. God is ready to do it. God is absolutely not the, 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 the hinge pin in this thing. He is certainly willing to touch every one of us. Guess who's the hinge pin? You and I, us, because God, God moves not by need, but by faith. Faith moves the heart of God. Faith is the, is, is the thing that makes all the difference in our situation. You know, guys, one of my favorite songs, which is quickly becoming a favorite here around this church, is this is how we fight our battles. You know, um, we haven't sung that one in a set today, but we're going to sing it before the service is over because it's becoming one of my favorite songs. And it's, um, it's just such a simple yet timeless message that God is for us. He's surrounding us and he's protecting his people. Let that, just let that sink in. God's for you, friend. He's not against you. He's protecting you. He's going to fight your battles. Last week, Pastor Tommy Sr., who's with us again today, preached an amazing message on Father's Day. And he mentioned that song, and he mentioned its correlation to Psalm 125. So if you will, go with me to uh, Psalm, chap- Psalm 125. We're going to look at just two little pieces of that scripture, and then we're going to watch God do exactly what he promises he can do. Can we pray together? Lord, we just come to you right now, and we thank you, Lord, that you are for us and not against us. And I pray today, Lord God, that there are people here that are struggling. There are people here that are a little discouraged. There are people here that need you to touch them in a special way. And I pray that the truth of Psalm 125 would just become reality in their lives, and that, God, that faith would be activated for you to move that mountain. That faith would be activated for you to move on their behalf. That faith would be activated for God, you to change circumstances and things in their lives. Lord, we ask that you would help me to communicate this message like you gave it to me. Lord, bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Psalm 125. I'm going to read to you uh, the first two verses out of the, the King James Version. It says this, They who trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abides forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth, even forever. The message says it this way. 
Those who trust in God are like Mount Zion. Nothing can move it. A rock-solid mountain you can always depend on. Mountains encircle Jerusalem, and God encircles his people. Always has, always will. Boy, good promise right there, huh? Good reminder right there that God is for us, that God is fighting our battles. And last time I checked, he's undefeated. Everybody likes a winner, huh? You know, I I read a quote this week that, that the world treats winners a lot differently than they treat losers. Well, God, we serve the, guys, we serve the greatest winner there ever was, okay? Jesus was absolutely undefeated. God is absolutely undefeated, and it's never even been close, amen? So when he says that he surrounds you, when he says that he fights your battles, when he says he's for you and not against you, guys, I got good news for you. We're on the winning team. You may have heard, heard me say this before. I came to faith as a junior in college, okay? And, uh, and, and, and I would have came to faith much, much sooner if a preacher would have just stood in front of me and said, I read the book, we win. That's all it would have took for me, Tommy. That's all I would have needed to hear. You want to be on the winning team? Become a Christian. That's all it would have took for me because, guys, I love to win, Okay, I'm just a little bit competitive. In fact, you've probably heard me say, I hate losing more than I enjoy winning, and I love winning. Okay, I don't want to be on a losing team. I don't want to be around losers. That's why I love being in church today. Amen? Because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a winning team. Amen? We win. Doesn't matter how you may feel. Doesn't matter how what you may be going through today. Doesn't matter the mountain of opposition against you. God is for us as his children, and he will win. Amen? So Psalm 125 gives us a couple little reminders. Now, just to give you a little background, Psalm 125 is one of 15 psalms known as the song of de- songs of degrees or songs of ascent. This is found in Psalms 120 through 134, okay? Let me tell you a little bit about what all this is. It just gives you a little background about what these psalms are all about. You see, then, the traditional uh, interpretation of the title, Songs of Degrees, is accepted. These songs were sung by devout pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem to keep the great feasts of the Lord. You know, just to give you a little background, there were three major feasts, and at each one of those pilgrimages, the children of Israel were supposed to go back to Jerusalem, okay? So on their trips, no matter where they may be coming from in the kingdom, they began to sing these kind of songs. They were kind of like folklore songs. They were kind of songs that became tradition and they would sing these songs as they were heading up to Jerusalem. So the idea here is these are some words that are being sung by by folks that are in love with God. These are folks that are devout. These are folks that are trying to do right. And it's words of encouragement. It's songs of of, of encouragement. It talks about, about how God has come through for him before and how he'll come through for him again. And you know what? Sometimes we forget that. See, the enemy wants you to forget how many times God came through for you. The enemy wants you to forget how many times God answered your prayer. The enemy wants you to just think about your circumstances, think about the doctor's uh, diagnosis, think about everything that's gone wrong in your life. He does not want you to get a glimpse of all that's going good in your life. Amen? Guys, the last time I checked, there's more good going on in in the life of Christians than bad. Well, pastor, hey, I'm going through a lot. I know you may be going through a lot, but that's just a temporary situation. Amen? Guys, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, if you are on your way to heaven, 
Boy, everything else begins to pale in comparison, huh? Man, uh, you don't know what I'm going through, pastor. Hey, you know what? The good news is you're going through it. You're going through it. And God is on the other side. In fact, God's not on the other side. God is right there with you in the midst of it. Amen? So we need to be reminded of that, especially at difficult times in our lives. So Psalm 125, let's look at verse number 1. Break it down just a little bit. They who trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed but abides forever. You see, there's that key word again. We see it so much in the Bible. We see it in so many scriptures, how we got to trust. We have to trust. Trust is defined as confidence in a person or thing because of its qualities or characteristics. To have faith or trust in, to rely on, to believe in. You see, trust is the key to this promise. The key to this promise is not whether God's going to keep his word because he always does. The key, Belinda, is that you and I trust. That you and I truly put our full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we truly believe that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. Amen? So we've got to trust. We've got to put our full faith and trust in the Lord. The kind of trust I'm talking about is the trust, is the trust that Solomon talked about in Proverbs chapter number three. Proverbs chapter number three, we're reminded to what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all of your ways. And what does he promise to do? Direct our paths. Now, we all want God to direct our paths. We all want to go where God wants us to go. We all want to do what God wants us to do. The problem is sometimes we want to do it our way. The problem is sometimes we want to figure it out ourselves, Tracy. Sometimes we say, okay, God, here's what I know you want me to do, but here's what I want to do. You know what? I've been around people long enough to realize the, the real problem with all of us is we do what we want to do. <laughs> it's that little thing that God gave us called free will, okay? How many, how many when you get to heaven want to ask God about that one? God, what were you thinking on that one, okay? How many parents would like to wonder, God, why'd you give my two-year-old a free will? Why'd you give that three-year-old a free will? Why'd you give that teenager a free will? Come on, somebody, okay? But here's the deal, guys. God wants us to choose to trust him. God wants us to, to, to look at everything in our lives, look at everything that's going on, look to him and trust him no matter what. You see, guys, that's the tough thing for all of us to do is trust. We all have trust issues. Now, why do we have trust issues? Probably has something to do with the fact is we've been let down before. How many in here ever been let down? How many in here ever had somebody tell you one thing and do another? How many in there ever had somebody that, that said, you can trust me, Seth, this, you can take this to the bank and whew, that check bounced. Okay. You couldn't trust what they said. Okay. You ever had a politician make some promises? Oh, you know, we're getting, getting up close to election season. Okay. And, and just wait for the promises to start coming. Okay. I've learned with age to take a lot of that with a grain of salt. In fact, it probably takes more than just a grain, Sister Eloise. It might take a pound of salt. Okay. Cause how many know, um, people let you down. People say one thing and do another. God's not like that. 
In fact, the Bible says that God's not a man that he should lie. If God says something, you can bank on it. If God's word declares something, Fabian, you can take it to the bank. You can stand on that because that's a firm foundation. When God says that he protects his people, he protects his people. When God says, if you trust me, I will be there for you. If you trust me, you will be like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. You can take it to the bank. You know, I read this quote this week, and, and, and it kind of leads, it, it kind of is along these same lines about trust. It's impossible to trust the Lord with all of your heart if you feel you must understand the how, the what, and the why of everything God is doing. Boy, that, that kind of stepped on my toes a little bit, okay? So let me read it again so I can process it, okay? By the way, some of you are going, boy, this is for my neighbor. No, it's for you. <laughs> It's impossible to trust the Lord with all your heart if you feel you must understand the how, the what, and the why of everything God is doing. You know, for you planners out there, that's tough to swallow. For those of you that want to know how everything works, that can be tough to swallow. Guys, that's why trust is such an important issue. Because you have, to, you have to trust God enough that even though you don't understand it, even though you can't figure it out, God has already figured it out. That God has already worked things out on your behalf. You see, guys, trust is easier said than done. Trust is easier preached than lived. Amen? Trust can be a difficult thing sometimes, but it's all about trust. It's all about us recognizing that, you know what? If I don't know what's going on, I trust that at least somebody knows what's going on, and that somebody's God. You know, when I've gone through difficult seasons in my life, ultimately when I got to the place, Seth, where I just, you know what, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what tomorrow may hold, but I know you hold tomorrow, so I'm okay with that. You know, it's good enough to know at least somebody knows what's going on, that somebody is God. Let me read you this devotion that spoke to my heart when I read it recently. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That scripture is easy to quote, but hard to live by. Especially when tragedy and loss touch our lives, we don't understand why. You know, I have a feeling the Kelly family is dealing with some of this right now. Man, we're so excited about a birth of a baby, and all of a sudden now we have all these medical complications. God, why? What did we do wrong? You, you begin to answer, ask all those questions. We don't understand why. There are times when we pray and God gives us answers. There are times when we pray and he gives us peace. There are times that we pray and God gives us an answer. There are times we pray and he gives us peace. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which ex exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4. In times of pain and loss, here are two scriptures you can stand on. Number one, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us. When it comes to understanding things, we have our territory and God has his. Ours is limited to what he decides to reveal to us. Paul, who wrote half the New Testament by divine revelation, acknowledged we know in part, at best we will always be limited in our understanding. 
Second scripture you can stand on is, and we know that all things work together for good to those that are love God, to those that are called according to his purposes, Romans 8 and 28. Sometimes God explains things to us, and other times he stamps them, we'll explain later. So when you're tempted to throw up your hands in despair and say, who knows, remind yourself, God knows. And today, remind yourself that he's working all things out for your good and for his glory. Let that sink in. All things are working out for your good and for his glory. Not your temporary good, but your long-term good. Amen? See, guys, sometimes we just have to recognize that God knows. God knows. So the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, those who trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abides forever. Mount Zion is a hill in Jerusalem just outside the western uh, the walls of the old city. It's a term that was first used for the city of David or Jerusalem, later for the Temple Mount. You see, David speaks of Jerusalem, that it will abide forever and ever. You know, all of Israel's uh, uh, opponents, all of Israel's, all those that, that hate Israel, that hate the Jewish people, they need to be reminded that Mount Zion, Jerusalem, will be around forever. It abides forever. God keeps his promises. Amen? And when we see God keeping those promises to Israel and keeping those promises to Jerusalem, Sister Josie, he keeps those promises to you and I as well. Amen? Here, you want proof that Jerusalem abides forever? Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 21. Revelation chapter number 21, we have a reminder that, that, that Jerusalem abides forever. That when God says that if you trust in him, he's going to take care of you, look at how he took care of Israel. Look at, look at how he takes care of Jerusalem. Jer, uh, Revelation chapter number 21, verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new what? Jerusalem. Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. You see, Jerusalem is going to be around forever, guys. When, Jesus, when God promises that you are, are secure, you are secure. Amen? Guys, we need to recognize that God's for us. He's not against us. That he's fighting our battles. Mount Zion's going to be around forever. Jerusalem's going to be around forever. You and I as believers are just as secure. Just as secure. So if the Bible tells us that, that when we trust in God, he will, he will look out for us. He will take care of us. Let's continue with verse number 2. Verse number one again. They who trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be removed but abides forever. Verse two. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. You know, guys, we need to be reminded that, that Jerusalem, for those of you that have been to Israel, uh, I know Donald and Garland Thomas have been. I, I know a couple others in here have been. It's a very mountainous area, very mountainous area, okay? Jerusalem is set up in a plateau that, that there's mountains all around, okay? We got a little, little, little map that I just pulled up, and, and it's not, well, 
Okay, there we go. That's cool. Um, it kind of shows you now, it, I wanted a topographical map, but then I would have to turn into a geography teacher and try to teach you topography, and I'm not going to try to do that. But what you'll notice is that's the city of Jerusalem, and on either side of it, there's a valley. There's a Hinnom Valley, and there's the Kidron Valley, okay? So Jerusalem is set up on a plateau. The, 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 the height or the elevation of Jerusalem is about 2,500 feet. Okay. Now, for those of you like us in South Louisiana, who right now we're at about what five, six feet above sea level. Okay, maybe a little higher. I, I don't really know, but we don't understand much about elevation. Okay, we don't understand much about mountains. Okay, we we just see little bumps on the map, and we're like, okay, what's the big deal with that bump? Well, that's a twenty-five hundred foot bump. Okay, we don't have any of those in Louisiana. What's the highest point in Louisiana? Some science guy. Any, any students? There's, I think it's Kasachi Mountain, maybe. It's like 300 feet, okay? But needless to say, this is much higher than that, okay? So we need to recognize that Jerusalem is in a mountainous area. As those pilgrims, that's another reason why it's called the Songs of Ascent. As they were going up the mountains, as they were going up into the region of Jerusalem, they were singing these songs. They were talking about these things. So if any of you have been to the mountains, Seth, I know you've been to the mountains, okay? Now, I don't think we could ski those hills, okay? But we've been, to, we've been with Seth before in the Rockies, and there are some areas you can ski in. And one of the coolest things about going skiing is when you get to the top of the hill, okay? Unless it's windy and there's a blizzard like there's been a few times when we went. But when you get to the top of the hill and it's a pretty day, you look all around yourself and you see nothing but mountains. Hayden, how cool is that? Hunter, how cool is that? Seth, you know what that's all about. You see all these mountains. So that's the picture I want you to put in your mind when God says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, God surrounds his people. You see, guys, we need to get an idea here that God is all around us, that God is for us, that God is covering and taking care of his people. You see, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord is all about his people from henceforth forevermore. You see, Jerusalem has always been a very good military stronghold, okay? Because if there's valleys all around, even when Jerusalem is surrounded, Seth, it's still in a very good defensible position, militarily speaking, because it's up on a plateau. The enemies have to get up to Jerusalem to attack them. It's the same thing spiritually. Some of you today are surrounded. You're surrounded by doubt. You're surrounded by fear. You're surrounded by circumstances. Uh, Some of it because of your poor choices. Some of it just because life is tough. And the enemy wants you to surrender. The enemy wants you to throw in the towel because he's got you surrounded. But what the enemy doesn't realize is you are still strong. You're still secure. He's got to try to go up to you and he's got to get through Jesus to do it. And let me tell you guys, he may not be very afraid of you, but he is definitely afraid of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So when you recognize the position you really are in, you are in a position of strength. You are in a secure position. Because just like the mountains surround Jerusalem, God surrounds you. God surrounds his people. Amen? That's good stuff, huh? That is good stuff. We need to recognize that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ have the upper hand. God is for us. He's not against us. Amen? 
But so many times the enemy wants us to continue to look at our surroundings. The enemy wants us to continue to look at at what's in the natural. Look at that diagnosis. Look at those scans and those tests. Look at our teenagers that are doing foolish things. Look at our prodigal sons and daughters who are still away from the Lord. Look at those grandchildren that aren't serving God. And he wants us to, 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 to focus on those things and not on the God who is working on our behalf. So today, as I close, I want the Lord to open our eyes again. Kind of similar to to what he did in 2 Kings chapter number 6. The very first time I I heard this song, I shared this on a Monday night at prayer. and, And I just want to share it again because it's an amazing story of how things are not always as they appear. Things are not always like they say. What you see in your natural eye is not always how things really are. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter number 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 8. You see, what's going on right now is Syria and Israel are at war. So in verse number 8 it says, And the king of Syria warred against against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place there shall be my camp. And the man of God, Elisha, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not by such a place, for the Syrians are coming down. So the Syrians were making plans. They were making battle plans. They were trying to ambush the Israelites. And God spoke to Elisha, who went to the king of Israel, and he said, Be cautious. Verse 10, And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice, but many times. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was very troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and he said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? You know what? The king of Syria thought for sure there was a traitor. He thought for sure that there was somebody who was sitting in those meetings, hearing everything that was being said and then reporting back to Israel. He didn't recognize that there was somebody who was seeing everything. There was a God of Israel who was watching out for his people. Verse 12, and one of the servants said, No, my king, O king, O Lord, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told them, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he to their horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city round about. They sent an entire army after one man. (laughs) They sent an entire detachment, an an entire uh, army after one man named Elisha. And they found out where he was and they surrounded the city. Some of you feel surrounded today. Some of you feel like the odds are stacked against you. Hang in. You're going to like the way this story ends. Verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold... The hosts compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servants said unto him, My master, what shall we do? You know, guys, I think uh, Elisha's servant woke up in the morning. He's stretching. He walks outside. He's like, oh, boy. (laughs) He's completely surrounded, okay? Now, as uh, undoubtedly, he recognized them as, as, as Syrians. He recognized them as the enemy. And he's kind of figuring they're, they're probably up to no good. Okay, so he is worried. He is shocked. He's like, Elisha, 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 we're in trouble. You see, uh, so many times in, in our lives, and, and this is in the study Bible that I'm reading out of, and it says this, 
The trouble with most Christians is they know what's happening, but they don't know what's going on. We know what's happening. We know what's going. We, we, we know what's happening in our families' lives. We know what's happening in the in, in the doctors with the prognoses and all those different things. We know what's going on, but we don't know what's really happening. You see, the servant saw what was going on. He saw they were surrounded, but he didn't realize that God was setting things up. God was setting things up for a miracle. God was going to protect His people just like He's going to protect you and me. Verse number sixteen. And he, Elisha, answered, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than that are with them. Now, guys, I got to tell you, this servant probably, uh, probably thought the old man was nuts, okay? He probably thought Elisha had just fallen off of his rocker, okay? You know, stress makes us do some crazy things sometimes. We say some things we don't mean. I'm sure the servant went, it finally got to the old man, okay? Because I see all the folks that are surrounding us. I see all them that are against us. How in the world can they be more for us than against us? You see, this is the part that God just is about to work a miracle in this servant's heart. He's about to open his eyes of faith. And I believe that's the same thing he wants to do for some of us in here today. Look at verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. You see, God opened the servant's eyes so he could see what the man of God saw. He opened his eyes of faith. And yes, there was a Syrian army surrounding that little town, but there was a greater army than the Syrians surrounding them. Amen? God once again wants to remind us that he is doing all things well. He is on your side. He is fighting your battles. If you could just get a glimpse of all that he's doing on your behalf, of all the good things that are coming your way, of how close you are to a breakthrough, wow, it would change the way you live. It would change the way you talk. It would change the way you pray. It would change everything. Just like the Lord opened that servant's eyes, I pray that he opens our eyes today to see that God is for us and not against us. I'm not going to read the rest of the story, but, but, but Israel won a great victory that day. The Lord won a great victory that day. Why? Because God fights for his people. God surrounds his people. Just like the mountains surround Jerusalem, God surrounds his people. Amen? As I close this morning for real, (laughs) who here today needed to be reminded of this timeless truth? That God surrounds and protects his people. Now, friends, is the time for us to respond by faith. Because I know that there are people in here today that need God to move in their life. Who need God to heal them. To heal a loved one. Who need God to make a way where there seems to be no way. Who needs God to move in their lives? Move that mountain of fear, regret, depression, whatever it may be that's troubling you today. God would say to you today through 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 this pastor, I am able. That's what God would want you to know today. I am able. In Exodus chapter number 3, Moses asked God, what should I tell the people if they ask, who sent me? And, And God tells him his name. He says, I am. 
You see, this name is characteristic of God's character because this name is really an incomplete sentence. I am what, you may ask. Well, that what is whatever you need him to be. God would say today, I am your savior. God would say today, I am your healer. God would say today, I am your friend. God would say, I am the answer to all your questions. God would say, I am your refuge. I am your help. I am your ever-present help in the time of trouble. I am for you and not against you. What do you need me to be? God would say, I am that and even more. Can you give him a hand clap of praise this morning? Mm-hmm.